Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. This podcast is from our Supernatural series, where we're exploring the supernatural worldview of Jesus and the power and authority given to His followers. If you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world, you can do that by finding us at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Supernatural. There's more to this world, more than the nature and the beauty around us. God's greater power that speaks to us reminds us of the power that He has put within us to perform miracles just as Jesus did when He walked on the earth. When we draw close to Him, we learn to hear His voice, hear Him speak into our lives. God shows he teaches us how to walk in the supernatural power he has given us. But as humans, we feel flawed. How do we know the voice of God for sure? There are always questions and doubts in the back of our minds. Can we really be certain that the words we hear are from the maker himself? He says to us, I have given you power to heal the sick, Make the blind to see and free people from sin and death. Surely we can't do such wonders and miracles. Where does that strength come from? I don't want to be held back. I don't want to question the will of God in my life. I see the power of his creation around me. I know there's more out there. What am I called to do with the power of God that's within me? How can I learn to walk in the supernatural? Alrighty, who here loved maths when you're at school? Hands up. You're all sick. We've got a counselling centre out there for you a little later on uh, today for a little visit. But uh, who, uh, who hated maths when you're at school? You're going to hate this message. Just, just hang in there. You might need the counselling centre by the end too. You know, I, I didn't hate maths uh, when I was at school. I didn't mind maths actually. I hated art. I, I can just remember, I can still visualise walking to year seven art class with just incredible anxiety in my heart. I cannot draw stick men. I had to get Susan to do these two drawings here for me because I just couldn't do them. I had about five goes and they just didn't look even like a stick man, you know, or, uh, or a church. You know, I actually think the game of Pictionary is straight from the pit of hell. You know, Satan, Satan invented that game. You know, I, uh, I, I didn't mind maths too much at school, but I want to actually teach some mathematical principles today. I want to teach some mathematical principles that are really important for us to remember. They're pretty simple because I am a pretty simple person, but uh, I really want us just to, to remember it. When, when, when you actually subtract a number from itself, what, what is it that you get? Come on, what do you get? 
zero. It actually gets down to nothing. When, when you divide a number by itself, what, what do you get? One, it, it gets minimal. So the principle I want us to remember is when we subtract or when we divide, you know, we very quickly get to something that's an absolute minimum or nothing at all. All right, we need to keep, just remind ourselves of that this morning. What about when you add a number to itself? What do you get? It doubles. You actually get double what you had before. It grows, you know, over time. This is a bit I really want us to take a hold of this morning. What, what about when you multiply a number by itself? What's the answer? 25. You see, it actually starts to grow exponentially. And, and you, you see a number when you multiply get big very, very quickly. Multiplication brings an exponential growth where subtraction and division, you know, end up with a bare minimum and, and adding, you know, there's a slow and a steady uh, growth. But when you multiply, you actually begin to see an exponential growth. Now, we all got taught the natural laws of multiplication by rote when we were students at school. You know, we, we, we all learnt our, our times tables. You know, what's two times three? Come on, say it with me. I need some participation this morning. Two times three. Four times six. Eight times nine. Ten times twelve. Thirteen times twenty-nine. Just it's 377. But uh, you don't know. Why is it that you don't know? I'll tell you why. For some bizarre reason, we all stopped at 12. You learnt to multiply by 12 by the time that you were 11 and you've remembered it, you were taught well. Some of you were 11 a very long time ago, but you still remember how to multiply. Since 11, You've learned nothing. You know, mind you, this is something cool that I know. Most of you will know it, but some of you won't, so I want to teach you something. 11 times tables are cool, all right? You know how to do 11 times tables. What's 11 times 23? Some of, some of you know. You just take the two numbers, the two digits from the number, you add them together, and it's 253. It works every time with the 11 times table. Put your hand up if you didn't know that. Okay, you learned something about maths here at church today. There is something I know. We all learned to multiply by 12, but then we stopped at 12. As we continue this supernatural series today, we're going to read the only miracle that's actually recorded in all four Gospels. Other than the resurrection of Jesus, this is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. And Jesus wasn't standing in front of a chalkboard as this happened, but this was a really important teaching moment for the 12. He's teaching the 12. 
There are a principle of ministry multiplication in several ways in this passage. He's teaching the 12 a principle of supernatural provision in this passage. As I said, it's the only miracle in all four Gospels. We're gonna read it in Luke's Gospel and touch on a few of the other Gospels later on. But Luke 9 verse 10, it says, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they'd done. Then He took them with Him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed Him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the Kingdom of God and He healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we've only got five loaves of bread and two fish. And unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, and there's about 5,000 men there, which means there's probably 20,000 people. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. I reckon we look at some of the big things in this passage and we say, oh, that's a big challenge. I reckon this is as challenging as anything that Jesus asked the disciples to do. Can you imagine if I stood here and said, get into groups of 50? It'd be like herding cats. You know, this is, a incre- this is miraculous that this, this actually happens with 5,000 people, but that's not really the point of the story. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Okay, what I want us to understand before we get to the miracle of the feeding of 5,000, in those first couple of verses we read, what we've seen is that Jesus has just multiplied his ministry by 12. Okay, if you read the Gospels, you read the first eight chapters of Luke, we see it's a ministry of one. It's just Jesus. Jesus is doing all the cool stuff. You know, Jesus is healing the sick. Jesus is driving out demons. Jesus is teaching people about God. It's all Jesus and and people are, are gathering around, the crowds are gathering around to hear from Jesus. But it's dependent on Jesus being in that place for the crowd to gather and get ministered to. It's a ministry of one. In Luke chapter 9, there's a change. We read about it a couple of weeks ago. Luke chapter 9, Jesus brings His 12 together and He says, you've seen what I've been doing. I'm giving you my power and my authority to go and do it in more places. He multiplies His ministry. He sends them out, he says, I'm giving you my power and authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons and to teach people about God, to share the good news of the kingdom. And that's what they've been off doing when we get to the beginning of this passage. They've been off in more places. The ministry is multiplied in more places. The impact that Jesus is having is happening in all different villages and Jesus isn't there. The ministry has been multiplied and they come back and they report to Jesus, this is what's happened. This is what we we saw happen in people's lives as we did what you've taught us to do. He taught 12 ordinary people, just like you and me. Misfits, people who hadn't made the grade with other rabbis. He teaches them to do what he's been doing. And if we read Mark's gospel of the same story, it says that they'd been busy in ministry. 
They'd been ministering to so many people and and minister, just so you know, minister simply means to serve the needs of people. That's what Jesus did. He served the needs of people. That's what, when his ministry multiplied, they were serving the needs of people. And in Mark chapter 6, when they record the same story, it says that they come back and they they are tired. It says they've been so busy they haven't had time to eat. And so the 12 take Jesus and say, come on, let's get away from these crowds and uh, let's, let's go to the other side of the lake, go to this place called Bethsaida where they hadn't ministered before and let's take a breather. But they get there and people hear that Jesus is in town and once again, a crowd gathers. And, and then if we read the same story in Matthew's Gospel, he adds that Jesus had compassion, even though they're hungry, even though they're tired, they haven't had time to eat. Jesus has so much compassion on the people that he stops and he ministers to them. He says they're like sheep without a shepherd. So he, he heals them. He, he teaches them. And in Bethsaida, as they begin to minister, I, I love this verse. It's a great verse, great description of what Jesus is like and his ministry is like. In verse 11, it says, He welcomed the crowds. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed healing. That's the way Luke summarises the ministry of Jesus. He welcomed the crowds, he taught people about God and he healed the sick. I just want us to pause and remember this morning, the ministry of Jesus is good. Can you think of a community anywhere in the world where this ministry would not be good? I just want us to remember As we think about this principle of multiplication and the multiplication of ministry, the ministry that we're multiplying is good. Jesus welcomed people into loving community. We talked a couple last week about where in our community today, there's a loneliness epidemic. People just longing for community, longing for, for people that love them and welcome them and care for them. He teaches them about God. I mean, what greater gift can you give a person than that? That you actually introduce them to the God who made them and, 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 and created them with a purpose. And as you're teaching them about God, you're helping the people in that community discover meaning, discover purpose, discover what life is really all about, discover their true identity as a child of God. It's an incredible gift. And then he heals the sick. You've heard me say on this stage many times, It sucks to be sick. There's nothing good about being sick. It's why there's no sickness in heaven. It wasn't Jesus' original plan and it's certainly not his eternal plan. He died that we could know healing in body, mind and spirit for all of eternity. These are good things. Can can we just remember this morning that the ministry of Jesus, it should not, be subtracted to nothing. It should not get divided to something minimal. I'd say we can't allow it just to keep getting slowly added to. We actually, it's so good, but we actually need to see it multiplied, exponential growth. Every community in the world, every community in this nation needs more of the ministry of Jesus because it is good. 
Can we agree? Can we just agree as we start this morning that the ministry of Jesus is a good thing to multiply more places? Just say, yes, Jason, I agree. Amen, that's good preaching just there. You know, the ministry of Jesus must be multiplied in more places. Jesus knew it, he knew it couldn't stay at one, it had to go to 12. But in this story, he's making sure it doesn't stop at 12. It doesn't stop at 12. And for that to happen, the 12 had to learn the supernatural principle of multiplication. Because they had some big excuses. Late in the afternoon, it says, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. This is what I reckon happened here. Remember, they're so busy doing ministry that they haven't had time to eat. You know, I remember when I was a chaplain at a school for a time many years ago, and I actually had a full teaching load for a year. I'd just go from class to class teaching RE. It's a bit different to chaplaincy now. And I remember getting to the end of the day, I had things I was doing at recess and at lunchtime. I got to the end of the day, I was starving. I was so busy doing ministry, I had nothing to eat. I remember a long time ago, I was walking home and I put my hand in my pocket. I thought, you beauty, I found a licorice bullet in my pocket from the night before. I know that's grotty. I don't care. I was starving. I just plonked it straight in my mouth without even looking at it. I got it in my mouth and I realised it wasn't a licorice bullet. It was a bit of chalk from my classroom. Felt like a licorice bullet. I'm telling you, it didn't taste like a licorice bullet. It didn't satisfy my hunger in any way. I don't know if you've ever eaten chalk, but it tastes gross. These guys are hungry. They've been busy in ministry. They haven't had time to stop to eat. And so I reckon they get together in a little hospitality committee because that's what followers of Jesus do. We get in committees and we make difficult decisions. So when it all goes wrong, no one's quite sure who to blame. We just got to look at a whole group. You see, what happens is it's late in the afternoon Jesus had so much compassion on the people that even though they're hungry and they haven't had time to eat, he's preached all day. I mean, we've got some pastors here at Gateway who tend to preach a little too long, other pastors than me, but they, they tend to preach a little bit too long. I mean, last year, Andrew Circum preached a 55-minute sermon just here. It's a new Gateway record. We gave him a trophy at the end of last year. Just ask him about it. He enjoys talking about it. Just listen to the excuses that come. We sent him down to Logan today just to see whether they like long sermons down there. But uh, I tell you, Cirx has got nothing on Jesus. He's preaching all day. And so his disciples get together. They come up with an idea. Let's go to Jesus and say, the people are hungry because he loves the people. He doesn't care two hoots about us. He knows we're tired and hungry, but he has so much compassion on the people. He loves the people. Let's go to him and say, Jesus, we really appreciate this whole teaching series you are going through in one day. We, we love it. We want more. But the people are hungry. We think you should send them away so that they can eat and not starve to death. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. 
and they say, you must be on drugs. It's in the Greek. But uh, they answered, they answered, we've only got five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all the people. And it's about 5,000 there, which probably means 20,000 people. They go, Jesus is 20,000 hungry people. We got five loaves of bread and we got two fish. It's not enough to feed us. And in case you haven't noticed, we're starving over here. I tell you, I reckon this is a common excuse we all make. When Jesus asks us to continue his mission and his ministry in the world, to feed hungry people, to heal sick people, to, to welcome lonely people, to teach people who don't know about God and might be actually quite antagonistic about the message of God, about who God is. I think we have similar excuses to this. It's too big. It's too hard. The, the needs are too big and what I've got to give is too little. I reckon we've all come up with the same kind of excuse. And when we come up with that kind of excuse, I tell you what happens, the ministry of Jesus gets minimised. It doesn't get multiplied, it gets minimised. Because we look at the largeness of the needs and the little that we have and we say, I can't make a difference, so I'll do nothing. Jesus, send the people away. And can I encourage you, if you're sitting in that place and you're making those excuses right now, what Jesus calls you to do will always be bigger than you. For two reasons. He wants you to trust in Him and He wants you to gather a team. No lone rangers in the kingdom. It'll always be bigger than you. And the disciples are looking at this problem in the natural and they're saying, Jesus, you need to go back to school and do your maths. This doesn't add up. Jesus, there's 5,000 people. Come on, Jesus, do the math. Plus women and children. And we've got five loaves of fish. Uh, no, dear, can you have a loaf of fish? Five loaves of bread and two fish. Do the math, Jesus. It doesn't equate. But they're looking at it in the natural I love, uh, I love the way John, I reckon John's having a chuckle when he writes some more of the detail. He, he says that Philip says, that Jesus would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. He says, Jesus, I'm gonna have to work for the rest of the year just to give everyone a tiny little bite. And Andrew says, here's a, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small, small fish. How are we gonna make that go around among so many? See, see, they're looking at what they've got in their hands in the natural. And, and what they're thinking is, they're thinking about a principle of division. How, how are we going to share this out? Just take a little bite. Okay, you need to take a little bite than him because I've got to feed all these people. That was delicious, wasn't it? A little bite? I said a little... She is always... Stealing my dinner. <laughs> a little bite. See, they're, they're literally looking at this in the natural. And they're going, man, how, how can we possibly work that long? 
to feed that many people? You know, how, how can we possibly share this little that we've got in our hands among so many? What I need is to understand that this morning, when God puts a vision for His ministry on your heart, he, he, He's not in the, the, He doesn't do subtraction and long division. Nobody likes long division. Jesus doesn't even like long division. He's not into subtracting and, and dividing. He's actually into multiplying. We have a God who is able to multiply. We have a God who is able to multiply people, to multiply resources. We have a God who provides from heaven to do more than what we ever thought was possible. We've been talking this year about the God who... He's able to do immeasurably more than all that we've ever asked or imagined. God is not into subtraction and division. He's a multiplying God. He's an abundant God. And the disciples are looking at what's in their hand in, in, with very natural worldview. But Jesus looks at the same things. He looks at the same little loaves of bread and the same little fish, but looks at them completely differently because he's got a supernatural worldview. Listen to what it says. He said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so and everyone sat down and taking the five loaves and two fish, I love these next four words, and looking up to heaven. He looks up to heaven and he gives thanks. He looks up to heaven and he says, for what we're about to receive. May the Lord make us truly thankful in my name. Amen. It's the only giving thanks for food I knew until I was 20 years old. I actually thought it was in the Bible. My grandparents said it. My parents said it. I went to Bible college and I discovered it's not in the Bible. We don't know exactly what Jesus said. but We know what he did. He looked up to heaven. And I tell you, there's a key in this. The ministry of Jesus, which remember is good. We want it multiplied. It's a good thing. The ministry of Jesus gets multiplied when we look to heaven for supernatural provision. Jesus looks to heaven because he knows what they've got right now actually came from there in the first place. He knows that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that whatever we've been given now, we've simply been given to steward for a time. He understands that. He, he knows that when God puts a dream in our heart to see His ministry multiplied, he already, we're not surprising Him. He already knows what He's given us. He already knows what we need. Jesus doesn't look at the little and say, how am I going to divide this? Jesus looks to heaven to where what they have has already come from. He says, you've given us this, Father. We give it back to you. See, Jesus asks us to give today because he wants to minister to the people in our communities that he still has compassion on. He knows his ministry needs to get multiplied in more places so that more people can know his love and his grace and his power. And this is the thing that I've just been reminded of this week. When, when we choose not to give, when we come up with excuses of why not to give what God has given us, it robs those people that, 
that, that Jesus loves and has compassion on of a blessing. But I've been reminded this week that it robs God of giving us a blessing. Now, many of you have read the passage before if you've been in church for a while in Malachi chapter 3. And, it's, and God's talking to his people and says, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, How are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there'll not be room enough to store it. He goes on to say, I'll prevent the pests from devouring your crops for your sake. He's saying, you're, you're robbing me of giving you a blessing when you choose not to give the little that I've already given you. We're robbing the people that could get ministered to. We're also getting robbed. God's getting robbed of giving us a blessing. You know, Susan and I got robbed last week. Well, it's probably a little exaggeration. Both our cars got broken into. And I guess if you wanted to be really technical... We haven't locked our cars for 14 years. So they, they didn't actually break into them. They just opened the doors and helped themselves to what they wanted in the middle of the night. Just in case there's any thieves wandered in here today or watching on the podcast, we now lock our cars and, and my shed and a bunch of other things that were unlocked before. But I, I, I was driving to the gym that morning after someone took the stuff out of our cars and, and I'm, I'm in the gym, I'm lifting some weights and I'm getting cranky. I'm lifting heavier weights than I ever have in my life. I, I'm, I'm cranky. I, I added up, someone probably stole 40 bucks worth of stuff out of, out of my car and I'm tight. I, I'm not happy. And uh, I'm dreaming. I, I'm dreaming of what if I had woken up and got him with a baseball bat. That's my pastoral heart, my heart of mercy coming out. Now, that's what I was dreaming of. You see, when... When God says, you're robbing me, he's got a completely different attitude. He's saying, you're robbing me of giving you a blessing. He says, when you give what I've asked you to give, I am going to open the floodgates of heaven. I'm going to pour out so much blessing on you that your blessing can increase. Test me in this. I want to do this for your sake. I want to bless you. And I tell you, I've discovered that God is a God of incredible blessing. He, he loves, He loves to bless His people. You cannot outgive God. A little gets large when you look to God to provide. He loves to pour out blessing. It says, then He gave the bread to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. There's 12 basketfuls left over. Why? He wants every disciple to get a doggy bag. All of those whinging, moaning disciples that are hungry. He wants to make sure they all get a doggy bag and they actually get their hands on. They, they get their hands on a basket that they've got to pick up and they remember that God is a God who's able to provide. God's a God who's able to multiply. They're all feeling it and touching it and seeing it. They've learnt a lesson of supernatural provision and ministry multiplication. 
You see, the ministry of Jesus is multiplied. When we as ordinary people look to heaven for provision and we, 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 we recognise that everything that we have already has come from Him and we're simply stewards of it. So when He asks us to give it back to Him, we do it without excuse because we know He's a God who loves to bless. The ministry of Jesus gets multiplied when we look to heaven for supernatural provision and it gets multiplied when we give what we do have to God. I tell you, there'll be some of us here in this room You'd be surprised at the miracles Jesus will do if you give him what you do have. Instead of just looking at the little you have and saying it's not enough, the needs are too big, you actually just start to give the little that you do have and see if God's not got a supernatural miracle for you. I tell you, Jesus loves to feed people spiritually and physically. And we see both of these things here in this passage. And we see in this passage that if you're a follower of Jesus, he calls us to do the same thing. The, the disciples have just been, they've just been away. The 12 have been away and they've been teaching people about the kingdom of God. They've been feeding people spiritually. In the book of John, it says, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You know, when people come and receive my words, their spiritual hunger will be satisfied. Now, what I want to encourage every single person in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got a little bit of bread that Jesus has given you. There's something that you know about the words of Jesus. There's something that He's fed you with spiritually. And you might be looking at it and going, it's so little. There's others that know so much more. I tell you, just share with others the little that you do have and see if there's not a miracle that happens in someone else's life. You see, whatever God has given you to feed you spiritually is for you to enjoy, but it's also for you to share with others because God is a God who's always been into multiplication. He never wants His ministry to subtract or divide. He wants you to pass it on. He wants you to what He's given you to bring great joy to you, but to bring great joy to many, many others as you pass it on. Don't ever look at what's in your hand and go, it's too little. I, I got nothing to feed others with. If you know Jesus, you got something. Jesus loves to feed spiritually hungry people, teach them about who God is. He also loves to feed physically hungry people. Maybe similarly, you're looking at what's in your wallet. You're looking at what's in your bank account. You're looking at the bread that you've got right now. And you go, oh, there's some big, big needs out there in this world. There's some big needs in this city. And I've just got this little bit. Just remember, the little bit you've got came from heaven in the first place. God knows what you got. And He loves to bless. And as we give... What we do have, the ministry of Jesus gets multiplied in remarkable ways. You see, when you share personally the, the, the bread that you've been given, what you know about Jesus, you, you get to see more people come to know Jesus. Together as a church, as a community of people, when we all come and give the little that we've got back to God, we, we can actually see communities transformed. 
We can see the ministry of Jesus not just multiplied in a person, but we can see the ministry of Jesus multiplied in a place. We can see communities turned around because the ministry of Jesus has gone there. You know, I just want to look at the way that ministry has been multiplied through this church in the last 90 years. As you saw on the video before, 90 years ago, Gateway began in a little hall in, in Holland Park, reaching out to a small group of young people, helping them to know the love of Jesus. And because of many, many faithful people over the years who would never allow the ministry of Jesus to stop at 12, but saw the thousands that were out there in, in the community, ministry has been multiplied. People have given generously over the years to see the ministry ministry of Jesus multiplied in more places. I'm not, you'll be pleased to know, I'm not going to break Andrew's record of preaching this morning. I'm coming to a close and I'm not going to go through 90 years of history, but I do just want us to look at how the ministry of Jesus has been multiplied through this one church just in the last 12 months. There's lots to celebrate here. I want us to celebrate together. Not to be all proud of what we've done, but to say, God, you are good. When we all give the little that we've got, something supernatural happens. The ministry of Jesus is multiplied. Because of your generosity, there's a place called Sharima in Uganda. Very poor community. All they had was a little mud hut church. 40 people could cram in there. I got to preach in there with 40 people, but I went back this year because it has happened in the last 12 months. And there's now an enormous church there with 400 people crammed in and hundreds of people that have been baptised. There's a kids' centre, there's a medical centre and there is clean water. There in Sharima, the crowds are being welcomed, people are being taught about God and getting baptised and the sick are being healed. they got clean water and a, and a medical centre for the first time. In, in Kitkum, further north in, in, in Uganda, because of your generosity last Christmas, right now there is a giant maternal and child health clinic being built. And it's going to be finished by this Christmas and it's going to be a place where the crowds are welcomed. For generations, thousands of women are going to go through that place as they are multiplying their families and babies are going to be born healthy. The sick are going to be healed. People are going to be taught about God. Ministry is being multiplied. Right now, we've got a team from Gateway in the Congo and uh, they're working with Heal Africa Hospital. And again, because of your generosity last Christmas, right now there's a roof being lifted off an existing building and a training centre to train more medical professionals and health carers in that nation so that the sick get healed and the crowds get welcomed and people get taught what God is like in a very dark part of our world, closer to home. Just this year, we opened our first care centre at one of our other campuses down at Ormo, where people from the community in need can come in and find a group of people who will welcome the crowds, teach them about God and heal the sick. Our counselling centre is bringing, is bringing uh, healing to people in body, mind and spirit. People are coming and, and getting fed spiritually and, and physically. And just four months ago, you know, we took an old basketball court because of your generosity and we opened the 
doors of Gateway Redlands so that more people can come in and the crowds can get welcomed. People can learn about God and the sick can be healed. And just four weeks ago, we opened as a church down in Logan, a new Gateway Logan campus. And already right now this morning, there's over 150 people in there. The crowds have been welcomed. People are learning about God and Cirques will be preaching for another 20 minutes yet. And the sick are being healed in Jesus' Name. Just in 12 months. The, the ministry of Jesus is getting multiplied. More people in more places are coming to know Jesus. It's something to celebrate. I tell you, I tell you, I feel like I've been a little robbed of the joy of some of this in the last little while. And I believe God is just wanting to fill our hearts with joy this morning. I believe He's just, like, like in Corinthians, it says that the people had an overflowing joy and out of their severe trial, they gave with a rich generosity. I, I just wanna see a rich generosity in this place, but I believe God is just wanting to do an outpouring of joy into our lives that we might rediscover His joy simply in being with Him, but also in ministry with Him, in seeing His ministry multiplied in more places so that more people come to know Jesus. I, I do wanna encourage you to, to give a generous gift at our 90th birthday. Your gift will enable us to multiply all of our ministries here, all that God has blessed us with here in more places. It'll enable us to hire our staff to lead ministries. It'll enable us to, to get ministries for kids and youth and Alpha and our care centre and Gateway Beyond up off the ground and multiplied in every campus. We've seen miraculous provision this year, but there's still a gap there's a $500,000 gap right now. I believe God's asking us as we celebrate His goodness of 90 years, His faithfulness to us to, to give generously. I, I've thought long and hard about this and I hope I'm doing the right thing, but we, Susan and I have been asking God about how He's calling us to give in this season. And uh, I really wanna lead the way in this. I don't do this because I wanna... I, I hate doing this, to be honest, but I really want to lead the way. We've been so blessed in ministry here at Gateway. And we're just absolutely sold out for this vision. We, we believe that as we give and we see ministry multiply, there'll be more people in more places come to know Jesus. And we want to see that happen. We've been asking God what He's calling us to give, to, to see that happen. And, and God just keep putting this number on, on my mind for us. And I thought, well, maybe it's just because I'm reading this story too often. Maybe I need to start reading the story of feeding the 4,000. That'd be a little easier. This is a stretch for us. But Susan came to me a week ago and said, I just believe that's the number. God's calling us as the leaders of the church to give the first 1%. That's a, that's a stretch for us. For others of you, that's probably not much. For some of you, it'll be huge. And I'm not asking you to kind of copy us in any way. What I'm asking you to do is the same process. To come before God and say, God, what are you calling me to give to see ministry multiplied in more places so that more crowds get welcomed, more people in our city come to know God, and more sick people find healing in body, mind and spirit. Let me pray. Father God, thank You that You are a God who supernaturally provides. 
God, I thank you that, that as we give to you, you just continue to pour out blessing on us. God, I thank you for your, your provision for us as a church family. I, I thank you for the way that you've blessed us over 90 years. You've been so kind to us. Thank you for what you've done just in the last 12 months. And God, today, I, I just pray for more. God, I pray that you would pour out supernatural provision on people this morning. God, on families this morning, that as, as we look to you and ask you what you're calling us to give, you would put faith in our hearts, you'd put wisdom in our spirits, and God, we'd respond to you and we'd see you provide once again in, in miraculous ways, and we'd see ministry multiplied and more people come to know you. God, would you pour out blessing? And this morning, God, I just pray that you pour out joy. Pour out joy in this place. I pray in Jesus' name. Can we, can we stand together this morning? I, uh, in this Supernatural series, we've been getting people to listen to God and just uh, you know, get a, uh, a word from God for people. I'm just gonna change it up a little bit this morning. There's just, there just one card out of the many that came in. I just believe He's for us today. I do believe God, for a whole bunch of different reasons, is just wanting to pour out joy into people's lives. Right now, you'd say you've been robbed of joy. There's like this, there's this a darkness that's crept in on you. There's things that have happened that have, that have kind of robbed you of the joy that God has for you. And this morning, you just say, you know, I want to know again the joy of giving. I want to know, again, the joy of serving. I just want to step out, even though I feel like I haven't got much, I want to step out and give to others what God's given me. I want to know that joy again. Some of you, I just believe God's wanting to give you a joy in parenting. There's some trials right now in your family. And He's just wanting to pour joy into your heart because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you can know joy. When your circumstances aren't, you know, working out as you'd like to. The church in Macedonia, in a severe trial, they knew overflowing joy. I believe God, by His Holy Spirit this morning, just wants to pour joy into people's hearts. And so as we sing this last song, I'm going to get the prayer team, the pastoral team to come to the front. And if you're here this morning, you just say, Oh God, God, would you pour joy afresh into my heart? God, God, I want your joy to be my strength once again as I give, as I serve, as I lead, as I parent. There's some of you here this morning that cries even a little more desperate. You'd say, God, I just want to know the joy of living again. You're actually in such a dark place right now. There's just not much joy in waking up in the morning. We're not down here this morning as psychologists or doing a counselling session, but I do believe that God can supernaturally put joy in our hearts. Romans 12, it says, you know, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. I believe God just wants to pour a joy into your heart that comes from hope in Him this morning. Hey, come on, as we sing this song, just come. Just let someone pray that there'll be an outpouring of joy in your life this morning. Just come and you're in. We hope you have been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.